the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and back from Kangaroo Valley <laughs> is editor Trevor Trahan. You've made that sound more exciting than it was. How back. was it? Yeah, it was good. It was uh, relaxing, but if you don't like TV or having a phone signal. Well, whilst yeah. you're away, me and... Uh, All happened. Me and Kev, courtesy of the AFC, made a complete lash-up of our uh, preview of the World Cup draw as somebody quite rightly put us in our place on the website. Uh, the AFC had the weirdest thing on their website that we pulled off just before we went That's in. That's an incredible website. That showed four groups of five teams. Right. And Bahrain already through the seeds and bar, which turned out to be sort of completely not the case. And it's five groups of four. Right. So, uh, you know, apologies for that. That uh, website's had, it's had like squads up history, for tournaments and stuff history. that, you know, no yeah. one's announced the squad. Okay. And so stuff. we will never again. <laughs> be going to the AFC for any sort of intelligence uh, regarding their own football tournament. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, as we're recording this, Jeff, the young Socceroos are about to kick off in 10 minutes. Yep. Uh, producer Simon hasn't got a mobile phone yet, so couldn't get our uh, uh, repeated request to record it earlier so we could actually watch it, but we'll try and get done by half-time. Let's just hope it's not a thriller. Uh, anyway, World Cup draw. Let's yep. talk about it. Uh, we drew Thailand... Saudi Arabia and Amman. Yep, happy. I think so, yeah. I think it's one of, you have to look at um, other teams that were floating around that we could have ended up with. Um, and you've got to look at you know what games are, are winnable. Um, a few people have been making the point that, I mean, Thailand shouldn't be a problem. Um, it might be a good trip over there as well. Is it, is it November that we're, that we're uh, playing? Well, no, the schedule is we, we kick September? off on the 2nd of September at home to Thailand, then... Four days later, we're away in Saudi Arabia. 11th of October, home to Oman. Uh, 11th of November, away to Oman. Uh, and the 15th of November, away to Thailand. And then the final game is the 29th of February, at home to Saudi Arabia. 15th of November, tempting. Um, yeah, I suppose the first reaction is that Saudi Arabia would be our toughest rivals, but there's been a lot of talk that yeah, Oman... Yeah, a little bit in decline. Yeah, well, Amman Mar- certainly caused us trouble at the Asian Cup in 2007. Yeah. Only a little uh, Tim Cahill last-minute strike got us out of jail there. Uh, I mean, quickly looking at the... Uh, I mean, you'd say on the balance of it, though, you've got to be happy with that. Yeah, completely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those groups where it's like, if you don't get out of that group, you don't deserve to go through. Yeah. Um, you look at some of the other groups. Uh, I mean, let's have a look at them from the top. Group A, uh, China, Jordan, Iraq and Singapore. You know, you'd probably say Iraq and China would be famous. Yeah. Jordan might have a say in that. Uh, Korea Republic, Kuwait, UAE and Lebanon. Um, I mean, you'd say that that's a, a, a nail on Korea Republic and probably the other three would fight that out. Um, probably the toughest group, I'd yeah, say. Easily. Japan, Uzbekistan, Syria and North Korea. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the, um, Syria, I think, are going to struggle. But those other three w- would all, you know... Be expecting to progress there. Yeah, obviously Australia's Group D we've just talked about, and Group E, Iran, Qatar, Bahrain, and Indonesia. That's going to be another competitive group there because of the, uh, you know, Qatar, Bahrain. Bahrain obviously uh, got through to the playoffs last year for being beaten by New Zealand. Uh, Iran always tough, uh, especially at home. So that that's going to be a tight group as well. Indonesia again, you know, Indonesia can cause teams problems, yep. especially in a 
uh, at home when they were always well supported. So it's going to be a fascinating uh, next stage of qualifying. As you say, all the games take place between September and February, and then there is another stage after this, uh, which is the final stage. So it's, uh, I believe it's the top two. Yep. <laughs> I am looking at the AFC side. <laughs> I was going to say, it looks like the an AFC printer. top two go through to then make drawn in two groups of five. Right, okay, yeah. And the top two in those two groups of five qualified for the World Cup. Mm, it's a bit... Third place teams play off, and they, I think it's yet to be decided who they then play off against. Mm. There's been some interesting discussions about if, if Asia has a place too many. I know that seems to be the, the feeling with the European journos, that perhaps um, you know, the, the CONCACAF region deserves another one on top. I, you know, I, I don't know. I think uh, Asian teams normally perform pretty admirably at World Cups and I don't see a problem with that amount of teams going through especially with Australia in them yeah exactly <laughs> alright well let's talk about some action on the pitch uh, the under 20s kicked off their uh, their World Cup uh, with a one all draw against Ecuador uh, the result didn't really doesn't really tell the tale of the game uh, it wasn't a great performance Trevor was it no it was, uh, <laughs> it was an absolute get out of jail free kick well more on that later but um, I mean let's just talk about a performance I mean obviously Ecuador just looked Stronger, better, yep. uh, uh, more, more coherent. Yeah, you know, we looked disjointed and sluggish, really. And uh, you know, after the disappointment of the under 17s, uh, and you know, the fair amount of stick that Vasley and Cop for that. I mean, is this just another sign that you know his his philosophy or his his methods are not working? Yeah, I mean, the the, the message that we were hearing was. Um, you know, concentrating less on the results and, and more. I mean, this level's more results because it's under 20s. But you know, we have to look at the performance first, basically. But they've not been there. It's not like we've been knocking yeah, it around like well. We've been winning <laughs> ugly. We've yeah. been losing pretty badly. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. Playing very well. Um, so it, if he if they, if this is a complete <coughs> failure for the under 20s, um, then I think some some serious questions that are already being asked of Jan um, might be asked a, a little bit more forcefully. Um, I think we, you know we certainly need to progress and give ourselves a, a chance in the knockout stages. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, was it any? I just thought that there were a number of players. I thought there were there were a few things that struck me. First one was obviously, and much has been said about Kantorowski playing his first game for seven months, mm. being asked to play that angry Branko midfield happy, role. Apparently. Uh, Petratos doesn't play a holding midfield role. Yeah. It seemed to be a four-two-three-one to me, rather than a, a straight-out four-three-three. Yeah. Uh, with two on a, you know, play. I mean, Kantorowski has played in that role uh, previously, um, but obviously hadn't didn't have a lot of football. Uh, Petratos doesn't play in that role, um, and then when he bought on uh, or Bernie mm. uh, for Amini, again he asked him to play that withdrawn sort of number ten role to keep the system. Yeah. And what I didn't understand is at what point do you potentially be flexible in your system to chase the game? Yeah. You know, because we needed a goal, we we're 1-0 down, and that to me would have been a perfect opportunity to have relaxed the system slightly, to go on two genuine strikers up front. Hmm. You've got Tommy or wide on the right, uh, wide on the left, sorry, you know, play, and, and play a 4-4-2 for 20 minutes to, hmm. to try and get back into the game. And I, and I just felt that there was, there's a danger of the system leading the... Just being over, over and above everything else, you know, and yeah. and we were asking another player to play out of position to keep the system, and yeah. you know, so but also it's like it, we just seem to be trying to play out from the back, but being incapable of doing it, you mm. know. And there was a couple of times where 
Birgit, he played the ball to the left back and he, he just rolled it back to Birgit who hoofed it long. It's like, well, why make that pass? Yeah. Why not just... We've done the thing that they told us to do. You know what I mean? It's it. like, yeah, a goalkeeper doesn't kick it straight from goal kick. And, and there was one, I think it might have even have been the restart after the goal. Mm. We passed the ball to the, to the right side of midfield who passed it to the right back who passed it to the keeper who hoofed it long. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, that's... And I, I just felt that we... You know, we were having possession in, in areas that we were never going to hurt them. So the possession stats look okay, but we were never really dangering them. No, and, and on, on that formation, one of the things that we were pitched from the FFA was that even though it, it sounds rigid just saying 4-3-3, that it's the most flexible way of doing it because, the, you know, the strikers can drop back into the midfield and, and if you're chasing the game, you can go almost like a flat three up front, you know, and you've almost got three strikers. Um, but it doesn't seem to feel as flexible as being... Suggested to us, does it? Yeah, yeah I mean, certainly uh, Terry Antonis when he came on yeah. uh, made a made a lot of difference in that he, you know, he did seem to be someone playing in that pivot role mm. that was comfortable receiving the ball from the back four with his back to goal, turning either way and finding a pass a forward pass, you know, and that yeah. that was really where we struggled, you know. But I guess it's you know asking people to uh, to play out of position. So um, let's talk about the goal. Trevor. Yes. Because spotted I had it spotted. I've got to say, it wasn't uh, it wasn't myself that spotted this. I had a little tip off from a guy that I coached with, Mark Cooper. So if you're listening, good on you, mate. Just gave me a little tip off. I said, watch the Tommy Orr goal again and watch the goal, watch the referee. Uh, and the referee had his hand up for an indirect free kick. Mm. Uh, he gave it. It was a bit of an odd free kick because the player dipped his head to head the ball and he got a free kick against him for dangerous play. And if you watch it, the, the, the referee immediately puts his arm up for an indirect free kick, moves the wall back and his arm drops. Then once he's got the wall in place, he puts his arm back up again to signify an indirect free kick. And Orr obviously just belts it. Yeah, <laughs> and so, so what would be interesting would be if the keeper hadn't got a hand on it, that should, have been, should not have been a goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was an amb- ambitious to shoot from there. The anyway. Yeah. Um, but I don't know whether the referee well, this is forgot it. that get, you know, it was an indirect free kick because there, was, there seemed to be no sort of uh, deliberation of did the keeper get a touch on it. Mm. Um, but also, you know, did Tommy Orton realise it was an indirect free kick and had it gone straight in, what 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 would that have done? I mean, when, when he was lining up, I, I was thinking, you know, that's going to be ambitious to shoot from there anyway, particularly ambitious when it's in, um, supposed to be an indirect kick. Um, and it, as you say, it's a faintest of touches, but the question is, did, did the ref know... That it got that touch, and I would hope that he probably did. If if he was being that clear about it being yeah. an indirect free kick, he must. Have watch been it again on that. YouTube. It's very obvious the referee is in shot with his arm in the air, and uh, Tommy Orr still shoots. So uh, whether he was banking on the keeper getting a touch, just <laughs> that makes it, it even more net. impressive. I need yeah. to put it in the top but corner. Let's, let's be honest, great strike. Hopefully, uh, and they'll be kicking off now. Uh, they can build on that, and and you know sometimes getting a result when you probably didn't deserve it. Sometimes gives you a little bit of a G up that you need. Um, obviously, Costa Rica next and then Spain to follow. So you would say that to have any chance of progression, uh, we have to beat Costa Rica today. So, Simon, thanks for not putting your phone on. Uh, anyway, the other news was uh, Socceroo squad uh, versus Wales was announced. Um, no huge surprises, uh, but Harry was left out. Uh, and when quizzed on this... Um, Holger said that you know he's he's not fit. He's not playing any football. He's not got a club. Um, so that he's in good shape. Lucas However, is Lucas there. is in. Who also doesn't have a club. Who is the captain though? So yeah, I guess he's it's... the captain. But uh, and he was asked this, and Holger said, uh, 
One of them's fit, one of them's not. Lucas is fit, he's done a lot of work, he's in good shape, and Harry isn't. Yeah. I, I suppose the interesting, you know, look, look at that squad out of Anotsky's not in there. Um, I think he's got a bit of an injury at the moment, so Luke Devere gets a chance. Yeah, um, but you see that. Who's the only uncapped player in the squad, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and someone we've always been a, a big fan of. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him get a little bit of game time. And Scotty Mack, who's approaching... Scotty Mack's back. ...his quarter century of games without a goal if he doesn't score. Uh, yeah, he's got 25 <laughs> caps. Yeah, it'd be 24 so far. A little bit harsh, because sometimes he's had a few sort of, you know, five, ten minutes at the end of the game. But, um, you know, will, will he finally get a chance to... You know, well, will he finally score? He's had the chances. Will he finally score a goal? Well, I mean, Hol- you know, Hog has been very pragmatic about it. He said that, you know, he had a good end to the season. I didn't <laughs> invite him to the recent games in Germany at the end of the championship season because, uh, you know, it's obviously been a long season, but he'd had a couple of good moments. And he said, you know, you can never make a final statement about a player. Always uncertainty is what's good today, might be bad tomorrow. Um, so mm. he's given, given another chance. And uh, let's hope he takes it. Yeah, I mean, he got a hat-trick, I believe, didn't he, for the end of the season for Middlesbrough. I mean, not a particularly hard hat-trick, but he does that poacher thing quite well. Um, so, I'd, you know, I've, I haven't actually given hope on Scott McDonald yet. I think that a lot of fans have, and I'm fairly annoyed that he's back in, but I still think that there's a chance he could, could come good. All right. Well, the game is coming up next week. Is it next Wednesday? Yes. Yeah, next next Wednesday. It'll be early hours of Thursday morning here, probably 4.45, something like that. So, as usual, early start for us Socceroos fans. A, um, an interesting test, I think. The, the no, I think it will be. Yeah, yeah, you know, Wales are, you know, not sort of, uh, probably won't qualify for the Euros, almost certainly won't qualify for the Euros, but on their day, they can certainly uh, be troubling. And if Gareth Bale plays, that'll certainly be a good test. Yeah. Whoever uh, lines up at right back, Lou Wiltshire, I'm sure will give him a kick. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, if there's any bet you're ever going to have, Luke Wiltshire yellow, yellow card. card for that game. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two to have a look at some of the news headlines on our website, au.442.com. The September issue of 442 is on sale now. Football's back, and we have the complete season guide for all major European leagues, including a two-page profile on every English Premier League side, while we offer overviews of the Spanish, Italian, and Germany campaigns. Also in this issue, there's an interview with rising soccer star Reese Williams and our regular performance section featuring tips from the world's best players on improving your game. 442, the ultimate football magazine, on sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to look at some of the news headlines on our website, au.442.com, this week. Uh, reaction to the World Cup draw, Thailand's team manager, Anuchi Nakasai, uh, believes that his squad can progress to the third round of the 2014 World Qualifying Group by getting past the Slow socceroos. Yeah. Very, very mouthy. Bold words. Very, very mouthy words from a manager of a team, 119th in the world, who just scraped past Palestine to make it into the group. And now the, the, the socceroos are slow. If we can get six points against Oman, we've got a good chance of advancing. Well, for um, a team manager, given that he's not even the coach, <laughs> you know, they're currently coached by a German, Wilfred Schaefer. Yeah. Um, he's also, he also went on to say that... Uh, that Tyler could up the set the slow Australians that could take on Frank Reichardt's Saudi Arabia without any problem. Yeah, the, well, they'll take them on. It's the result that might be the problem. Yeah. <laughs> if I was the coach, I'd be like, oi, mate, button it. Get back in there. Don't, don't be getting them riled up. 
Australian players are tall, but they are slow. I think we have the speed of our short passing game to upset them. Uh, he added on Saudi Arabia, they've lost a lot of their best players, and I think we can take them on without any problem. If we can get six points from Amman, we'll have a good chance of a batting. <laughs> Easy on paper. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Mark Bresciano uh, is set for a move from uh, Serie A to finally leave Serie A and Lazio uh, to join UAE side Al Nasir on a two-year deal worth a reported $5.6 million. A little retirement fund? Last Tell you what, not bad if you can take it, if you can get it. Yeah. Know. He's 31. Obviously, he uh, appeared in both, uh, both Australia's recent World Cup. Uh, he spent... Uh, you know, he's pretty much entire career in Italy since he left uh, um, Carlton at 19 to join Empoli in 1999. So he's had 12 years in uh, in Italy. It, it's a shame, really, because he's he's the sort of player that I would love to see back in the A League at 31. Yeah, yeah, because you know, again, you'd hope that you know, who are we to to comment on other players' personal decisions? But we're gonna. Um, <laughs> Yeah, 12 years in Serie A, you'd like to think that he's made a decent nest egg for himself yeah. by now. You know, that couple of years back in the A-League. But he could still do the back. couple of years back in the A-League, yeah, couldn't possibly. He? 33, I suppose, yeah. Um, another 5.6 million bags in his bin. Yeah, go, <laughs> go anywhere after that. I mean, he's sort of eased off on the Socceroos front because we understand he was concentrating on doing well with Lazio. Um do we want to see him back in the Socceroos, seeing as that you know there's people like Brett Edmonton doing well, and that there's lots of people in that position coming through? Connor, especially you know, given like we're playing Oman, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, just next door, yeah, you know, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have that little bit of experience in there if a couple of the experienced boys in the UK are unavailable or injured. You know, always nice to have him, so, you know, that sort of experience around for the young lads. Um, Ado caught up with the Brazilian star of the F League. Um, and Melbourne a, correspondent. And Melbourne correspondent. Uh, Melbourne-based Andre Caro Salve from Inner City FC. Uh, this is a recent uh, futsal competition, national football futsal competition, the F League, uh, which seemed to be a resounding success. Featured six teams from New South Wales, Victoria and the ACT. Uh, it was played in Sydney. Uh, and held in a new era for the code. I mean, certainly, you know, futsal plays a massive development role in, in Brazil. Or, Spain you know, as well, I, th- I think. So, uh, so this, this is good, good news, Trev, yeah? Yeah, it's great news. I think futsal's um, good. It's, it's accessible and, um, you know, gives another option. And the, the way it's sort of played, that kind of, you know, close control and, you know, being able to use a ball in a small area is exactly the sort of stuff we'd, we're trying to sort of foster. So, yeah, it's great. And you certainly see the players that have grown up Playing futsal, that sort of close control, yeah. good in tight areas, don't mind receiving the ball. Not pressure. just tall and slow. And also, you <laughs> see a fair bit of sort of futsal moves have crept in to the 11 a side game. And the one that strikes me is the, is the control of the ball with the sole of the foot, which has been, yeah. you know, you never used to see players sort of roll the ball out from under their feet with the sole of their foot before, yeah. until recently. And I think mean, that's very much a sort of futsal move to get your ball under your out from under your feet or even control it with the sole of your foot. So um, yeah. definitely a, a major part of developing all-round uh, football sense. So uh, it's good to see. Um, Melbourne Hearts, again, Ado, prolific down in Melbourne. Loving this. Uh, Melbourne Hearts community programme has reached over 27,000 Victorians in the last 18 months at the club who are undertaking uh, country visits into country Victoria twice this month. Um and they're starting to see the benefits of that with, uh, with as I say, 27,000 people involved. 
Uh, it's a key sort of pillar, saying of their core values was their community efforts. So um, it's excellent to see. They do seem to be active in that area. And I know that John Aloisi obviously has, has stepped into a sort of coaching and an ambassador role. It, it seems to be very active. Um, so, mate. Made it clear from the outset that they were going to be quite big on that. Yeah. Um, and they seem to back that with efforts as well. Excellent. Uh, on the other side of Melbourne, uh, is it like that, really? The other oh, side yeah, of Melbourne? I don't know. It's not really, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, but anyway, uh, the Blue and White Brigade are finalising a, a fan charter um, that brings together the key groups. Uh, obviously, there are a number of sort of support groups uh, that follow victory. Um, and obviously, I, I, I know Adam, uh, who runs the Blue and White Brigade very well, and I know this has been a big thing, which was to get all the support groups to agree. To a, to a charter of behaviour that they all sign up for and, and obviously then the onus is then on the, the police, uh, the club and the, the venue to then support them in that and to yeah. say, right, well, you know, absolutely, we need to agree what is active support and what is not acceptable. Um, so they seem to be making strides down there, which is excellent. Um, you know, obviously we talked about the, the Victorian police uh, who made uh, pretty clear the challenges that these lads have faced down there. Yeah. Um, with their inflammatory sort of tweets during the Celtic game, um, if anything, you know that that really proved uh, how difficult these the, the boys and girls down there supporting Melbourne have had it. So, um, so yeah. So it, it seems like they're making progress. Uh, let's hope that that uh, comes to fruition, um, and we see that you know we don't have uh, we don't have some of the negative and inflammatory headlines that we've seen before. Um, I mean, when this, I mean, it's quite interesting. We, we pull some of the stats here um, where we look at it. And when they were talking about the November 2007 game, which I was at, actually, and was caught up with in the pepper spray, which was fun. Um, police branded fans abysmal. Uh, and there were five evictions amongst 32,000 fans. Uh, to put that into context, at the 2010 Melbourne Cup, there were 11 arrests and 280 evictions. At the 2010 Grand Final, there were 11 evictions and four arrests. Uh, on the 2010 Boxing Day Test, there were 37 evictions and five arrests. One Day International 2008 between Australia and India and Melbourne, 189 evictions and 16 people charged uh, at the time of Victoria Police. So they were generally happy with that. There was nothing out of the ordinary. <laughs> but yeah. five evictions at a soccer match is abysmal. Mm -hmm. So this is what we have to deal with. Um, so let's just not give them any ammunition, shall we? Uh, all right, on bright notes, uh, Queens, uh, Brisbane Raw. They said Queensland Raw there, that's a flashback. Oh, cool. Brisbane Raw have uh, lifted the lid on their new training kit. It is only their training mm. kit, uh, it's not their actual playing kit, uh, which was a carbon copy of Newcastle's mm. away strip. I mean, it's not similar, it's identical. Yeah, but I don't know, that's templates, isn't it? You know, it's only a training top. Uh, but nice to see Puma, good. Uh, Good heritage brand uh, yep. supporting football in this country. Yeah, yeah, good to have, you know, big brands like that. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, do you think they've used exactly the same, you know, they've got a batch of those shirts and they're just sticking a different batch on them? It's more environmentally friendly. Possibly. I think so. I think that... Nothing will be recycling in this day, Trev. <laughs> they're, uh, they're identical. They might be struggling to... Uh, ship those Newcastle United ones anyway, so they might yeah, have a exactly. logo knocking around. Exactly. Well, we're still yet to see the, uh, the actual shirt. Um, the plain shirts, so uh, looking forward to uh, to seeing that. Uh, all right, a bit further afield now, looking at some of the news in the, in Europe. Um, this is turning into another Fabregas. Wesley Schneider is, seems to has hinted that he may be open to a move to England. 
Well, you'd sort it's of hope so. Seeing as all the headlines that have gone before. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do we think about this? I mean, obviously, it'd be a big loss for Inter, but you'd imagine that they're talking about a significant amount of money. You know, probably thirty-five, forty million, yeah. which is uh, a decent amount of money for any player. Um, yeah, I mean, the... do we see him fitting into Man United in the Premier League? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Cantona made some interesting comments about him, saying that he's a big fan and a similar sort of player to me and could go and do a similar sort of job there. Um, yeah, it won't be cheap, and in that respect, it's a big... Um, it's 27, so, I mean, you know, if, you're probably going to really. get four or five more years out of him you know, at that top level. Did Man U get a Veron from Inter? Would they sell him on to Veron even no, being Inter? No, they got Veron from... Argentina. Oh, Argentina, right, yeah. Because, I mean, the, it felt a bit like that, didn't it? That Man U had broken away from that policy that spent a load of money. Um, but that is Veron, and that's not Schneider. So, yeah, I'd, if all, you know, I'd love to see that move happen. But all the big moves that are supposed to happen definitely happen this summer. Fabregas, Tevez, Schneider. Yeah. I mean, I Nothing see Schneider yet. more as a replacement for Skulls. Yeah. You know, I, I, that sort of link role. And, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Skulls did um, next to nothing last season. He's, his stats, like he... You know, a few people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did, but I mean, it it wasn't like he was, you know, scored ten goals and got fifteen assists last season. It was, it was pretty. I think he got one goal and four assists or something like that. So, but I still felt in the important games, Ferguson felt he needed someone like that. that yeah, who can hold the ball. Player. Yeah, and I think that's obviously why you know that's probably the one position where he is willing to go and pay top dollar for quality in that in the that playmaker. Role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joey Barton. Um, Today evoked the spirit of the first president of the United States. He's gone George Orwell quotes, George Washington quotes. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about the background. Obviously, uh, Newcastle sold uh, Kevin Nolan to your boys, which, yeah, which uh, was a... first sort of provoked Barton on Twitter to say, uh, Luis Enrique has also been vocal. At the weekend, Barton came out and said, you know, he really wants to... Uh, He'd love to blow the lid, but he'd get fined. He want, he'd love to say what the whole club is, you know, all the players are thinking. Uh, that was then responded to by the club who basically said, get out yeah. by the weekend, free transfer, first people that come, you know, we don't want you here anymore. He's only got a year to run. And the background to this was that they refused to offer him any sort of contract. Hmm. So they just said, right, at the end of the next year, you're on a free transfer, we don't want to offer you a contract, not even a dollar. Yeah. You know, so they they're obviously clear that they want rid, uh, and now they've they've used the Twitter uh, outburst to sort of expedite that to potentially get him out of the way this week. Mm. Um, I think the, the understand the problem was at Newcastle is people like Nolan and, and Barton and Rick were all um, verbally promised certain things, as in length of contracts and amount of money. And it's got to sitting down to do it, and they're way off that. They're not offering contracts anywhere near as long and anywhere near as much money. So all the, the top players that thought that they were sort of going to secure their future feel like they've been lied to, Yeah. and that's that's a real issue. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is that, you know, Pardew, since going there, has either allowed or been instrumental with Ashley in clearing out mm. the element that they might not have wanted there. Yeah. You know, well, Nolan, Barton... Carol. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know, but Pardew, um, and th- there's a little bit in the, the new issue of 442, which we'll talk about later, but Pardew's very much a fan of, of a certain type of player, and they're normally uber-fit th- athletic players, and he kind of you know gets a few points over the line that way. So, um, And any new manager wants to sort of stamp their authority, regardless of how good the players that were there before. So, yeah, I, I don't think Pardew would be too upset. He likes, you know, 
younger English players, and perhaps that's what he might go for. Well, I mean, let, let's put this out here. I mean, Joey Barton, for all his uh, you know previous history, uh, on a free transfer, 28. Is he potentially the bargain of the season for somebody who can pick him up and, and manage him the right way? The right man. I mean, his agent came out and said if he was at Arsenal last season, they would have won the title. Well, that was a bit of a stretch. <laughs> it's a bit of, well, it's one of the things you can't prove, isn't it? It was yeah. last year. Um, for, yeah, for, for the right club. I and mean, what about what about your boys? Mate, do you know what? I take him. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, for nothing. I just think, you know, McLeese seems like a pretty strong low. You know, we certainly need a bit of bite in midfield. Um, and f- yeah, for that, like we can't be beggars can't be choosers at the moment. Just, <laughs> anyone, get anyone, come in, mate. Yeah, I think so. I don't. I can't see him going to to one of the really big boys. I can't see you know Arsenal Wenger being in, interested in him. You know, virtually no chance. Um, but someone else. I mean, mate, Harry. Harry's it's a bit of a Harry deal, oh, isn't it? It's free. It's a wheeler dealer. <laughs> yeah, another midfielder. I loves yeah. midfielders. So, that, so that's uh, obviously going to be interesting. Uh, I think I must have heard the same interview as you on the BBC where uh, they obviously said that they would still be open to talk to the club if Newcastle admitted that they made a mistake. I can't see that happening. Um, More Ashley. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, what, and what's really interesting is a few people talked about, you know, has Joey Barton's, you know, embracing of Twitter changed people's opinions of him? You know, and he, he's obviously not a complete idiot. No. no. Got his GCSE results on Twitter recently. Did you I get them? No. He put them up. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's going to be winning, you know, any spelling bees anytime soon. No. But, he but had, he's certainly shown yeah. that he's got a bit to say for himself. Yeah. He's a relatively intelligent and coherent bloke. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess in, in many people's eyes, that probably has dispelled a few of the rumours about him. You know, he did keep his nose relatively clean whilst apart after he got out of prison. <laughs> Good comment, yeah. Yeah, and he's managed to Google But also, you know, there's no denying that when his mind is on football, he's a very, very good player. He was excellent last season yeah. and, and, you know, normally is. So I don't think anyone's got any doubts about that. It's just about the impact having the club. I know the Guardian ran a poll, would, you know, would you have Barn in your club? And it was pretty much 50-50. Yeah. You know, split down. I suppose it depends on what, what club you support. Man, you fans are not going to be saying yes. But, yeah, and that, you know, really does divide people. Yeah. All right, another player that is uh, on the other end of it is desperate to get away, uh, but the club are sort of standing firm at the moment, and that is Luka Modric. Yep. Uh, however, assistant manager Kevin Bond has, has given the first sort of chink in Spurs' armour where he said that um, if the club's valuation of him is met, uh, they could sell him. What they haven't said is what that valuation is. Uh, I mean, I've said this all along. I've had a long-running bet with our Spurs fan in the office that this is all a gambit from Spurs to get the best possible price that, you know, they will sell him. There is no point in having a £30 million plus asset sitting on your bench, unhappy, Mm. being disruptive, you know, and and I believe that he will be a Chelsea player by the time the season kicks off. I've always said that. Yeah, I mean, they need to get the right price and that, you know, Spurs are, are excellent at getting the right price for their players, but... If that bid doesn't come in until you know just before deadline day, then they've just got a load of money sitting in the bank. Yeah, January. but they've got a history of that with Berbatov. That was the problem they had with Berbatov. They held and they held and they yeah. held and they held, and Man United took it right to the brink. And then at the eleventh hour, Man United went, "All right, there's your money." Spurs were left with no yeah. time to replace him. You know, surely learn from that. You know, it, it, there's no point having the money when you've got a gaping hole in your midfield. Yeah, and you and, and Spurs have, have got a tough start. 
um, or, or certainly got some some challenging games at the beginning. Um, if they've got to wait till January to reinvest that money, I think they'll be out of the Champions League chase by then. Yeah, well, we imagine that the, the next bid or, or the bid that they've now sort of gone to is 38 million, which to me is would be I'd. I'd I'd sell at that. I mean, I can't he's believe it could be any more than that. I think he's an excellent player, but I mean, he's not. I don't. He's not as good as Fabregas or someone like that. And no. talking in sort of similar no. brackets. We're talking to Fabregas. Uh, he's back in training, uh, having missed uh, the Emirates Cup uh, and missed a, a trip. I can't remember where they went. He didn't travel to that either. I mean, again, you know, where where's this going, Trev? You know, again, um, you know, Arsenal are in the same boat here. You know. The player doesn't want to be there. They're going to get good money for him. They might not get the top dollar they would have got. Two they're years only a few million off. It's not like yeah, they're getting no, half price or anything. If it was me, I'd just be like, get the money in and get on with bringing in a replacement. You know, the guy doesn't want to be there. You know, it's like how he's still supposedly in name club captain is ridiculous. I'd be like, certainly, you know, he shouldn't be club captain at the moment. No. You know. No, no, it's it, it's madness. And if they'd got the money at the beginning of the summer, then all of a sudden Arsene Wenger's got you know whatever that they give him, but you know thirty, forty million to go out and and, and buy a replacement and, and buy other players around the team, and and they're going to get into a similar situation as Tottenham, I think. Well, and know? also the danger is, is that it, it, the whole summer again for the third consecutive year becomes all about Fabregas. Will he? Won't he? Will he? Won't he? Yeah. And then and then the, the season kicks off, and Arsenal haven't strengthened in the other areas that desperately need attending yeah. to. Like a keeper, like a centre back. back, and a striker probably, and a striker. Yeah. You know, so I just think that, that Wenger seems to get wrapped up in the, the Fabregas sort of thing, and, and obviously added to that this year is Nasri. Yeah. To the detriment of him actually looking at other areas of his squad, you know. Yeah. So um, one player, if you've seen the goal that Neymar scored recently, he's good, isn't he? On Facebook, <laughs> absolute quality. The uh, give and go, and then the roll of the foot over the ball. Um, the Santos president, Luis Alvaro Ribeiro, has claimed that the club has rejected an offer from Real Madrid uh, for the teenager. Um, and he's insisted that he's not for sale all summer, uh, and it seems to be sticking to that. But, uh, but from what I keep seeing of that guy, he would be a, yeah. a welcome addition to the uh, Champions League or the Premier League. He's uh, in our interview and that we did, a, you know, run a few months back, and I don't mean to generalise on Brazilian footballers, but some of them like a party. They yeah. like a bit of carnival. So when you know, <coughs> wherever he goes, there needs a coach that keeps on top of him. Because if he goes to Europe on big money, then he'll be out till 3, 4 a.m. rather than <laughs> preparing for games. Nah, maybe Real Madrid might not be the worst place for him. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's it for part two. We'll be back in the final part to uh, cast a quick eye forward to the uh, English Premier League as our, uh, our English Premier League season preview issue was out uh, yesterday. So we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll cast our eye over some of the uh, predictions in there for uh, the top, the relegation battle and who we think is going to take away the title. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1-300-784-212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. Back to 442 Insider. 
Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going to turn our attention just for uh, the final part of this to commemorate our, uh, our new issue out yesterday, Trev, uh, where mm. we uh, preview all 20 Premier League teams. Yep, two pages on each. Two so. pages on each team. A little uh, look at their tenure records, 60-second dossier, fan views, uh, the profile of the boss, key players. All the fixtures are in there. It's on sale now. You can buy it direct from us on our website. Just follow the links. Trev, how do we see this playing out this year? Obviously, still a lot of movement to go in the, in the transfer market, you'd say. So it's still a little tough to, to make predictions. But yeah. do we see... I mean, let, let's talk at the top first. Um, obviously, Man United will be strong again. Uh, you know, they, they haven't... You know, they haven't lost anyone, not been severely They've added, you know, virtually, I mean, Schneider comes yeah. in, they've got a brand new spine of the team. Yeah. Uh, they'll obviously be challenging Chelsea. Will they still be up there, do you think? Yeah. I'm, obviously, I'm, uh, Villas-Boas got a, got a lot to prove. I'm really excited about the new manager, you know, coming in and what he can do. And, you know, he's certainly got some modern methods. And as we point out in the season preview, he's not a Mourinho in style-wise. <coughs> um, Mourinho is famous for the can way he, he Can plays, he get the best out of Torres? Um, yeah, I think so. Torres scored in a pre-season. I mean, yeah. I don't think it was a classic, but oh Man, yes, against us. oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I don't think Torres has all of a sudden become a bad footballer. I just think that the, the medical department needs to sort him out. I mean, I've heard numerous stories about the Liverpool medical department. I don't think it's the best in the world. That's all I'll say on it. So if, if Chelsea can sort of get that um, right, I, of course he's going to be a massive, massive. Deal. Um, I suppose him and Drogba is, is the big question, and Anelka's still knocking around. Who's he going to play? I mean, you know, if he if he can get Torres and Drogba playing together, which I think that that's what they should have been working on all pre-season, then they will definitely be there or thereabouts. But I I, I think that the race for the top four in the Premier League between six teams that you know genuinely feel like they should be yeah. there is the the most interesting thing in European football. Yeah, I mean Liverpool obviously finished last season. Uh, with championship winning form under yeah. Dalglish. Oh, yeah. Dalglish took over. Can he continue that? Obviously, uh, you know, he's strengthened again. He's spent a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, Stuart Downing, Jordan Henderson. Not sure about this Jordan Henderson. Well, certainly not sure about him yet. I, I just think he's sort of a box-to-box, you know, mediocre sort of player. Nothing nothing spectacular about him and exactly the sort of player that I think that Liverpool should be able Charlie to Charlie Adams is an interesting addition as well to the squad Stuart there. Stuart Downing as well. And it, it looks like Enrique might be there as well you know but by the end of the week so yeah look they're really really throwing money at Suarez I thought was brilliant I think Carroll would do well too um, pre-season you can't look into too much but Liverpool have been dire particularly at the back yeah I mean, what seems to me is that they've spent all of this money and they've not they don't appear to have really strengthened at the back yeah and centre back to me is you know Carragher has been a fantastic servant no denying that but he's he's not getting any younger yeah uh Kyriagos, the, the Greek guy, is in and out. You know, obviously they've got Aga still there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think centre back would be a priority for me. I mean, I, I, I'm surprised Samba is still at Blackburn. I yeah, think he's a too. fantastic footballer, and, and that would have been an ideal signing for for Liverpool. But yeah, I mate, you're right. I think they're a centre back short of, of launching a genuine title bid. I, I think that they're. I think they'll make the top four at the expense of Arsenal. All right, and well, where do Man City fit into that? Well, uh, top two. Aguero has come in. Yeah, top two. I, I can see them dislodging either, you know, either Man U or Chelsea. Um, I think they'll be second. I think they'll be second. I think Man U will take out the title again. I think Chelsea might end up being third. Yeah, uh, is, is is Mancini the right manager 
to win the Premier League for Man City. You know, we certainly there were question marks against his, what should we say, bravery as a as a coach. You know, as in you know, like to generally go and win the Premier League, you need at certain points to be very positive in your in your substitutions or in the way you send your team out. Three holding you know, midfielders at yeah, home, you know, and, and stuff and, like that. You know, you need to you know you need to be positive. You need to make positive decisions and go and go and win some games, not go out to not lose certain games, particularly when you're playing against the other big four. Yeah. You know, because you need to take the opportunity to take three points off them, not share a point each. Yeah, and that, that's it. Whenever men see that, you know, do we think that might be the, the difference between them really, you know, putting a a real title challenge together? Yeah, I think that that will just be the difference because I think, and I say this most is that Man U are very, very good at picking up the points they should. You know, whenever it comes against, you know, lower teams, they genuinely swap them aside. Um, and Man City, I think, might end up with a few disappointing draws against teams they really should be beating because they've not been as adventurous as they should be, you know, particularly away from home. Um, but I, st- I do still think they'll be top two. I just think that they might sit in behind their rivals. Um, Man U, but I mean it's a settled squad. I mean they purposely haven't gone over the top with uh, you know a completely new squad again. Um, but the interesting thing, I mean, what's happening with Tevez? The, the, <coughs> yeah, you know, still there at the moment. And you know, I mean, I, I can't again. You know, it's the same situation with Fabregas and with Modric. If the guy doesn't want to be there and he's going to be disruptive, get as much as you can for him and ship him out. Yeah. You know? He's on mega money, you know, he's, and if he doesn't want to play, what's the point of having him? Yeah. Um, uh, Arsenal, massive year for Wenger, you know, because you'd say that unless they bring in some significant, you know, players now, with the strengthening that's gone on at Man City, the strengthening that's gone on at Liverpool, could this be the year where Arsenal drop out of the top four? I think so. Yeah, I think that. And what does that mean for Wenger? You know, the fans were booing them at in a pre-season tournament. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I sort of get the impression that their patience with Wenger has run out. Yeah. And unless they start winning early, you know, a couple of bad results in the first few games, I think they're, you know, they're on the cusp, if not already turning. Yeah. Which is which is bizarre when you think about what he's done for that club. But you know, no trophies in. Is it? Well, it's five, five or is it six years now? Five or six years now. I mean, this is what we said before. How long can he go on doing that for? You you can't be a decade down the line not wanting anything and, and going on about you know how he's getting young players playing well. Um, I, I, I think that this could be you know a real pivotal year for him, um, and I think he needs to spend before the end of the month. And he, he's not one. He 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 won't do a Harry Redknapp. He won't go out on deadline day and pick up you know Barton and Scott Parker or whatever just to so he feels he's got some players in. Um, he, I imagine, would be scouting, you know, what sort of good bargain he can get, a good young French player or something. But um, I don't think it's going to be enough. I can see him just slipping out. Obviously, you know, Spurs will be <coughs> there, thereabouts, around that sort of sixth or seventh. But beyond that, let's let's say that's the top seven, right? With Everton at seventh. Well, you got Arsenal, Man U, Chelsea, Liverpool. Tottenham. Tottenham. They're the top five, and then Everton will be... Man City. Right. I'd, no, I'd, I'd, I'd say there's your top six, Six, right? yeah. Beyond that, I'd say any of the teams below that could go down. Including Everton? Including Everton. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly if people like Jagielka leave. Um, you know, I, I just... I mean, look, let's look at this, okay? 
Swansea, QPR, Norwich, Wigan, Wolves, Bolton, Blackburn, West Brom. Yeah. That's a pretty uninspiring lower half of the table. Yeah. You know, um, but I think again, like last season, I think we'll see the bottom ten being within, you know, six points. Of each right other, up until the end, you right know. Right until the end, and, and any of those could go down. I mean, let's talk about teams that come up: Swansea, QPR, Norwich. Um, QPR, considering they're backed by so much money, have not spent anything yet. Yeah. Which seems, which again seems a little weird. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It's. it's uh, I think out of if if we were to just discuss the promoted sides, you know, out of Swansea, um, Norwich, and QPR, I think that Norwich have the best chance of staying up. I think they've they've got a, a really good coach, really good momentum, and if they can start well and then not do that relegation, you know, that newly promoted team thing of being dragged into relegation, I, I think they'll do just about enough. And much has been obviously made of, of Swansea's style of football, the way they're playing, and Brendan Rodgers. Um, yeah, I mean, do we see a little bit of a Blackpool about these, that they'll go down playing? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but ultimately, we think they'll go back down. I, I think they'll go, but I think they'll put up a good fight. I don't think they'll, you know, I don't predict them to be bottom or, or anything like that. But um, yeah, I think they, they might just slip slip back down. Yeah, and then you've got teams like Wigan and Wolves, who, Wigan, Wolves and Blackburn, who all only stayed up on the last day of the season. Yeah. And all of those could have gone down on the last day. Blackburn Wigan has... have lost... Probably their best player to Villa, yeah. Charles and Zogbia, um, you know, who was instrumental in those last few games and keeping them up. I think he scored twice against your boys. Yeah, yeah, that was the sort of result that, that probably I think Wigan are my tip to to join um, the two other. You know, I think Swansea QPR. And QPR, Swansea, and uh, Wigan. I think will will go down. Blackburn have got a little bit of money to spend, depending on how well they invest that. Um, um, and I think, yeah, Wolves will do just enough as well. But yeah, like you say, I'd, it wouldn't be a surprise for three out of any of those ten teams. Now look at Newcastle. Yeah. yeah. Who knows what Newcastle team's going to turn up. Yeah. Having so, you know, arguably without their three best players from last season. What What about your boys? Not, I, you know, I don't think you'll go down at all. But well, I, mean, I, I don't think we'll go down. Uh, obviously, the, how quickly yeah. Unzogbia settles and how effective he proves will be will be massive. But we, you know, we've got, as I said, watching the. The Asia, the Barclays Asia Trophy, where we got beat by Chelsea, and we got beat by Chelsea at Cantor. We they were just toying with us, really. Um, you know, we just don't have any depth. Hmm. You know, we don't have a bad team, um, but there's just no depth there. You know, we've, I think we've lost or, or released something like twelve players and brought two or three in. Right. You know, so we are going to struggle with A few good young players, though, sniffing around. Yeah, there's some good lads coming through. Barry Bannon, Mark Albright, and a couple of young Aussies. Obviously, Shane Lowry, Chris Hurd. Um, So, you know, I I guess the other side of it is that they'll get their chance and we'll Mm. see how good they are. So, and I don't mind that. I'd rather that. But, again, you know, for teams like Villa and, I guess, Everton fans, you know, we're probably not going to go down. Yeah. But we're also nowhere near competing in the league. And that's sort of becoming a little bit depressing, I've got to be honest. Mm, yeah. That the best you can hope for is sixth or seventh. You know, at least last year, a little bit of a relegation scrap. It was, it was I think a, I still would have preferred to steer clear of that. Like, is that the best we can hope for? A cup run and possibly a Europa League? You know, it's like, oh God. Mm. Bring on financial fair play, that's what I say. But anyway. It all kicks off this weekend with the Charity Shield between Man United and Man City, which should be a cracker. Yeah. Um, and then uh, 
The Premier League kicks off the following week. So, obviously, as usual, live and exclusive on Fox Sports. West Ham Cardiff is live Sunday night at 10. There you go. What's up with you? There's, there's three, game, three live West Ham games in August. So Mate, it's better than when you're in the Premier I know, League. I know, and they're really they're all ten o'clock at night on a Sunday. Abs- absolutely. What's perfect. wrong with you? There was you worrying. I know, I know. I, I, I think obviously you know they select a team most likely that anyone's going to watch. Um, yeah, and then we've got the new issue as well. New right? issue, yeah. Which is a uh, not just the Premier League. We also got previews of La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A. Anything else in there, Trev? Reese Williams interview. Um, Go Reese Lightning. Always, always good to catch up with Reese. Um, and then the normal, you know, planet football performance section. Become a better player. But yeah, plenty in there. But if you want to know what's going to happen in any of the European seasons this year, get it. Excellent. Well, that's on sale now on the iPad at News Agents or direct from us on our website. So take your pick. Uh, we're going to rush out and catch up with how the young Socceroos are going now. Uh, enjoy your football this weekend, and we will see you next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.